Good evening. My name is Jay Rothman. I'm the host of the show. Welcome to Real Men, Real Talk Live! Welcome back to our Thursday night edition of Real Man Real Talk Live. I'm excited to introduce my co-host this evening. We have the man of the land from down under. He calls Australia home. We know him as Evis Love. Welcome back, Evis Love. Oh, thanks for having me again, brothers. Looking forward to diving in deep as always. We have uh, across, the, across the pond from Ev, Josh Richard, coming in from Southern California. Welcome back, Josh Richard, known as Jay Riddy. <laughs> great to be here guys <laughs> looking forward to another great night and josh uh you know i understand i almost put that in the name tonight <laughs> i almost put jay ready back i think i'm gonna bring it back next week all right well, <laughs> uh josh welcome back i know uh you you were under the weather you kind of went through a rough bout with some kind of upper respiratory welcome back glad to see you on the mend and uh uh, welcome back to Real Memorial Talk Live. We have Jeff Asano, calls Nashville, Tennessee home. Welcome back to episode 131, Jeff Asano. What's on your plate? Well, that's a Ooh. good question. Tonight's episode is uh, unhealthy season or nutritional reasons. And really what it is about is what is your relationship with food? And do you have emotional attachments to it? Uh, but I think we're going to go even maybe deeper than just our relationship with food tonight as it relates to the holiday season. Um, Evis Love, uh, since tonight's topic was one that uh, was you're passionate about, and it's one that you, uh, you presented to, to our, in our production meeting just a couple of 24 hours ago. So I'm gonna invite you to light us up uh, and, and send us off on this beautiful topic this evening uh, for episode 131. Oh, brothers and sisters, it is a very passionate topic of mine, but uh, as always, from here in the land down under, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Looking forward to diving deep about this relationship that we've got with food, particularly this time of the year, any holiday season. What is your seasoning, brothers and sisters? What's about to go on those foods this time of the year? Is it there? Is it going to actually be serving you goodness, value, high nutrition, love, light, care, hydration? Or is it going to be a distraction or a destruction? within your transformation progress. See, I've been very fortunate helping many people uh, on their health, fitness and wellness journeys for over two, three decades now, brothers and sisters. Time has flown past. And one of the key components of any health, fitness and wellness journey is obviously that four-letter word that many people despise. And I'm not saying the, uh, the four-letter word, as many people know, but I'm talking about food. Many people are running away from this word. But one thing for me that I always say to them, you can't escape this. This is what we need for energy or the inner chi. So many people have this love-hate relationship with food, you know, but it's hard to live with, but you definitely can't live without this, my brothers and sisters. So for many of us really trying to understand and understand why it's so important to understand these deeper values that food has with the connection of who we are as a human being. Now, what's really happened that I've seen with a lot of people, and I was actually just driving back from coming on country this morning, and um, I saw a massive sign. And it was funny because I saw the sign and it said, reward yourself right in next to the road. Reward yourself with a can of beer, a can of alcohol, sitting right next to it. You know, this could be food, it could be alcohol, whatever it may be. All these things just happen to be this time of the year. But we form these particular connections on an emotional level from a very, very early age within our lives. 
So when we start to understand the deep root connections of why we may be going for particular foods that are not here to serve us, then we may start to understand a little bit more about our choices as opposed to going in and dipping into certain coping mechanisms that aren't mm. really serving us at our highest needs. Mm. So right. I'm looking forward to diving in deep, man. There's a lot of stuff we can dive in and, man, there's multiple shows we could do on this. Well, I want to just take a moment here. Thank you for opening this up tonight. I do want to take a moment to welcome our viewers and listeners. No matter if you're coming in from the U.S. or our sister country of Canada or as far away as Australia and beyond, welcome back to Real Men Real Talk Live. If you should hear something that you like or you love, light us up. Tap your love button on your monitor and uh, take us away. If you should have any questions or comments, feel free to drop them down into the comment section and we will do our best to acknowledge as many as possible in the hour, the hour power that we got here to, uh, to really dissect and dive into what is our relationship with food. Something, mm. and as it relates even to the holidays, something that just came forward for me right now as, as I was listening uh, intentionally to, to your share was I wonder for us, if you think back to our younger years, to our childhood, when uh, let's say uh, I fell or I got scared, what are, how many of our parents actually offer us as children some type of comfort snack, like a bowl of ice cream to, um, to help calm us down or to mm. you know, kind of reward us mm. after we have just dealt with some level of pain, whether it be even physical or emotional pain, mental pain, and the parents that actually uh, offer us some type of snack to make us feel better, to calm us down. I wonder, do you guys think that is where the template actually, the foundation for this relationship with food, utilizing it as comfort? And each time we, you know, I used to go through the drive through was I just being rewarding that little boy with inside? I called it a little JJ. Was I rewarding him with comfort the way I received comfort when I was a kid and I uh, would get that little ice cream bowl? Mm. What do you guys make of that? Mm. Does it bring back any memories? Sure. You know, I, I for me, Fantastic. not personally, but I'm, I'm curious about you, Jeff. Um, does that strike a... Um, you know what's really interesting is I do have my comfort foods... Um, and I think about them, uh, I don't really go into it. My, my comfort food is, has always been, you know, pasta. Mm. It was always when I, and it would bring me to a place. I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I grew up Italian and, and, uh, you know, lasagna, pasta, ravioli, all that good stuff. And, and when I'm kind of in the dumps or, you know, upset, I think about it. It doesn't mean that I go mm. there. And uh, even going back to the, to, to the reward, what I, what I do is I do give that to myself once a week. And it's always on Sunday. But as far as, yeah, I go into, you know, I mean, everybody can. What do you, what's going to bring you comfort in this moment? And a lot of people will go to the food and they will binge eat because that food, whatever they're eating, the more they eat it, the more it brings some comfort to them and just insulates them even more. But, uh, I mean, I do, but, uh, you know, I've got my other things, other tools that I use when I go into those places. I am curious, Jeff. Well <laughs> What is your attachment to Sundays if that's the day you reward yourself? And I'm asking, it's kind of a setup question because, you know, I know, you, I know you're from Staten Island originally. Well, I'm from, from another small city close to Staten Island. And I know that for many families, Sunday was the family day. People would go to church, then they have the big meal. So is, is that attachment still kind of lingering there for Mr. Fasano or? I, I, I mean, kind of. It, well, you yeah. know, actually, what it, it brings up a lot of joy. Man, waking mm. up on Sunday morning, uh, and uh, especially especially this time of year, you know, football games on Sunday, and my mother making sauce. It's, I'm Italian; it's not gravy; it's sauce. 
with meatballs and you hear of frying, uh, you're frying uh, the sausage and the meatballs and the peppers and everything like that. And you would, I would wake up to that smell. And the smell wow. of it, guys, just think of it. That's the smell of it at 9 o'clock, 8, 8 o'clock in the morning. My mother's been up since 6 doing that to getting ready because we used to eat at 2 in the afternoon on Sundays. There's a joy to it that I think about. And it's, a, it's something joyous that I give myself on a Sunday. Now, the pasta that I eat is quinoa pasta. You know, it's gluten-free quinoa pasta with, you know, I don't eat regular regular pasta at all, but it's still, you know, it's 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 fun and I enjoy it. I actually look forward to it. Uh, of course, I don't eat meat, so I so I you know throw some broccoli in there, some salad, some artichoke, artichoke hearts, and all that good stuff. But I remember the the smell of it on Sundays. So that can contribute <laughs> to the attachment or the comfort of it. I don't I don't look at it that way but i do have those moments when i'm in a place and i go oh wow you know maybe a um uh, a hershey bar right now would do the trick <laughs> there you go how about mm -hmm. you josh what, is, what was your relationship with food when you were younger and has it carried over into your own adulthood <laughs> i have an interesting relationship with food and i've only ever met one person like me um I don't stress eat. I don't, um, I like sugar and I don't keep it at the house for that reason, uh, because it is hard for me to have the willpower to say no. And, uh, so I just keep it out of my life, but my relationship with food is I'll admit it, it's a little off. Um, and I think it stems from, well, actually I know where it comes from. Uh, being bipolar, it's very easy for me to get stuck in a project in problem solving mode and getting into what I'm doing. And it's very hard to pull myself out of that. It's hard for me to oscillate in and out of something. I like to stay in it. And so what happens is I stay in a project and I'm so into problem solving. And then I get to this point where I realize that I'm starving. And I, mm -hmm. it's like at that point, I have to eat now. And in my past, that meant fast food or, you know, microwave things or things that were just fast, quick and easy. And so t for me, my relationship with food, it's a nuisance. <laughs> I enjoy going out to dinners with friends and making a thing of it. But the every day just keeping Josh alive I'll be honest, it's a nuisance. Um, and I have my workarounds and I've gotten to the point where I meal prep, I make fast and easy things and put them in the freezer. I make healthy stews and, and soups and things like that it can just heat up really quickly. Um, I'll grill a whole bunch of chicken at once and then have it in the freezer and I can just, you know, heat it up and throw it in a salad. So I have my workarounds, but I will fully admit that my relationship with food is it's a nuisance. <laughs> what, what do you make of that? And, that, and, that, and that's my truth. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Hey, this program is all about truth. We know that. Right. So, I can't I, lie to I, you guys. Yeah. Look, I, I also had, in my childhood, I had a, a very controversial relationship with food. And uh, it was always a struggle. I, I didn't, my, my portfolio was very limited. I did not, I did not do vegetables. I just, and, and the, the, the meals were always a battle for me with my parents. And I think that set, that set the template up for my adulthood. I was, I didn't eat healthy as a child, but I also didn't eat a whole lot. Um, and I was, I had a very fast metabolism. So I was ultra skinny. And then I, and then I grew up and my metabolism slowed down. And I used food as comfort, significant comfort. Mm. And being that I spent 40 years in the restaurant industry, I got hooked. I got hooked mm. on the most toxic food, which were all my clients, all the fast food joints. And I became a fast food junkie. I'd eat that food twice a day. I did it for almost 40 years. And I, I ballooned mm. up to almost pushing a 42 and a half, 43 inch waist. 
and uh, I'm not over six foot. So, uh, you know, I, by the time I, I woke up, I was legally obese. And, um, but I had such attachments to food for comfort. Now, here's the thing about that. That's, that's my truth. That was how it was. But how it is today is I have learned how to develop um, new go-tos for comfort in food. So I now I've kind of expanded significantly. I'm predominantly uh, vegan-based, plant-based. I do eat uh, wild-caught um, when we have guests that that are asking for that. But other than that, for the most part, it's mostly plant-based. And you know, last night I want to share with you, with you guys that we had some guests over, and um, they they we had a vegan dinner last night, and they shared that at one point the husband. Um, was he was a he, in his friends and family circle he was known as a smoker not cigarettes but he would smoke his meats and he was he was he really enjoyed it he really perfected the art of smoking brisket and other meats and what happened for him was he uh he, he went for some type of uh medical exam and they determined that his uh blood pressure was was extremely high, like extremely high, dangerously high, stroke level, heart attack level. And um, ironically, his sister-in-law had just watched The Game Changers, which is a documentary on Netflix. And she shared it with um, him and his, his, his wife or his, her sister. And they made the commitment overnight to go plant-based. And within weeks, his blood pressure dropped into normal range and wow. so you know for him it it took a medical crisis to wake up and be willing to detach from unhealthy foods that were no longer serving his health and that's really my story you know i had to be hours from death to wake up and go some i've got to change my behavior and my relationship and stop seeing food as comfort and really embrace food as nutrition as a source to reverse medical conditions and disease. And that's, that's the, that's the, uh, that was my incentive. And that's what, how I reversed many, many medical conditions over the past seven years. So I have, what do you, what, do, what was your relationship with food like when you were younger? Mm. And what was the catalyst for you potentially changing or uh, pivoting in your relationship using food as comfort? I'm going to be honest, brothers, but I've never had comfort eating in my life ever. Yeah. Hey, does he have I've a pulse? Is this, are you real? Are you a real man here? <laughs> I've, I've never <laughs> had that uh, particular challenge within my life. I've helped a lot of people on that part of their life, but I've never had that challenge. I've seen it around me. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been fortunate to see that because I've shared my journey uh, about my mum and how I've helped her come from type 2 diabetes when both of her kidneys actually failed. And uh, we had to get her weight down so she could receive one kidney to actually function. Now that she's brought back her life, she's brought so much time and value to her life, she's changed the way that she eats. And that's been one massive and proud moment for me as her son. But one thing mm. for me that this is wrapping all around and even just listen to uh, your beautiful brothers talk about the comfort side of eating, it is really twisted and turned into the emotional side of things. So you think mm -hmm. what Brother Josh is talking a little bit about, you know, um, stressful times when we go for certain foods and comfort, we've got to go back to what the brain is hooked up for. Now, you've got to think about the brain is hooked up to re as a reward center for you. You know, gone are the days where it was just about the survival state. You know, so you think back to our ancestors. I mean, they were going into high energetic foods to stay alive. Mm -hmm. But what do we go for today? High calorie foods because there's just so much of it around us. It's too convenient for us. So we've actually connected this brain system to the brain, the other brain in our gut, which I'll, I'll talk a little bit about because we have a really important nerve called the vagus nerve, which actually stems past one of the longest nerves, um, you know, from that top part of your spine down 
past all of these vital organs, which is sending messages to your brain from your gut. And you could only imagine how these messages are disrupted if you haven't been fueling yourself with good food, high nutri uh, nutrient value food that actually has value to your body and serving it. So if these messages are disrupted, this is going to cause havoc within your body. Of course, you're not going to communicate in a way that's going to serve your body, but you're going to go for foods that feel comfortable, that feel pleasurable, like we noted earlier, that we're rewarded for. So this all starts from those early days, brothers and sisters. And because we've only got an hour tonight, we've got to go deeper into those emotions and feelings again from those early days. Love Where did we pick up these relationships with go. food as the connection for reward? Well, there's another piece to that, Ev, and I want to, I'm putting this on a screen. I'm going to invite you to, oh, any one of you, and I want to jump in here. Uh, for Angelina Deacon, she says, meal times for us were hard. That's when our dad smacked us. Now when I'm sad or upset, it feels like I can't swallow and I don't eat for days. Now, who um, wants to take, who wants to uh, use this as a, we'll call it a, a coaching opportunity for Angelina. Anyone have any insights on how she can heal this wound? Because really that's what we're talking about. This is an inner child wound that she's still holding on to from her childhood. And um, is it possible that, that she can heal that wound? Oh, yeah. It's How? just going in, connecting with that, the wounded child, however old that was, when dad was doing whatever dad was doing and start to befriend that, that wounded little child inside of yourself, become uh, their friend. You see... The thing about it is, is that we all get into moments like this from our past and the wounded child rears up and is seeking comfort. Angelina, you're seeking comfort. That wounded child is always seeking comfort. The five-year-old, the seven-year-old, the eight-year-old, even the 15-year-old and the 20-year-old, we're all seeking comfort in those moments. It's all about uh, how you're going to give yourself that comfort, that mindful self-compassion. It's about moving in and connecting with that child, asking that child, what do you need from me right now? Because mm -hmm. the memory that you have, and I don't know how old you are, the memories that you're having is of that child being smacked by dad. I remember my father would talk about that. At dinner time, that's when he got smacked. That's when all the kids got smacked was at dinner time. So um, it's about working through that, but connecting with that wounded child, because when we get into these moments, all of us here, we all have those moments. I have those moments. I've had a lot of those moments in the last three months where the, that wounded inner child was triggered. And then I had to learn ways of connecting with that child and moving into giving that child comfort and compassion in those moments without going to the old behaviors that were more destructful that never gave me comfort, whatever those were. For me, like Ev, it was never food. Food was never a thing. I'm kind of like Angelina. When I get into stressful moments, I don't eat because my stomach and everything in here gets so upset that I don't eat. But what I do is, yes, Angelina, the thing you can do is now really connect. And if you need to work with someone to help you through that, because, mm -hmm. because as Ed would say, that's some deep stuff. Yeah. And, and it's beautiful. Jeff. Go, ahead. Go ahead, Josh. Oh, I was just going to say, you brought up a huge, massive point, which was when you sit with that child for potentially the first time in your life, ask what do you need from me in this moment mm -hmm. that is such a powerful question jeff that was insane you completely nailed it mm -hmm. that child has probably never been asked that question in our entire lives and that will change the behavior that will change the program when that child feels safe and taken care of and respected and heard and honored 
that's when life outside of us starts to change those, yeah. all these patterns that have just been running unchecked. Yeah. You see all food is doing, if, if we're using food to give us comfort, all of it's, it's doing is taking our mind off of exactly what's coming up. It's, it's us going to another place. You know, you could food, alcohol, drugs, whatever it is, TV, yep. you know, whatever shopping, it is, sex. shopping, whatever it is that you need to distract yourself or repress and suppress what's coming up. There are people who run to the refrigerator who run to McDonald's, who run to Burger King um, and, and start swallowing all of that. And they're really just avoiding what they really need to work on. There you go. That's, that's well, that's well said. Well said, uh, Jeff. And Angelina says, beautiful advice. Thank you so much. All mm -hmm. of you appreciate it. You know, it's mm -hmm. interesting. We all have, not all, but many of us have had um, childhood traumas and uh, experiences that was uh, attached to to consumption of food. Uh, Mary Kelly says, my mom drank too much and dinners were always a stressful time. And being the youngest, I protected my mom. The end result was uh, how that dialed in for Mary was she said being stressed while eating makes digestion very difficult. Mm -hmm. So that that is uh, an old wound that, that Mary is still working through. Uh, even at how and, beautiful age that she is today. And, and which is really important to go into as well, Jay, about the hormones, why we go for certain, you know, obviously stress carries a lot of cortisol levels. Mm -hmm. And you've got to remember again, why it's so important about these gut health brothers and sisters is because so much of the dopamine and the serotonin is actually built within your gut. Okay. So understanding why we've got to look after this part of our body to be able to make these communications with a lot more clarity is so, so important as we keep going forward, particularly over this holiday season. Mm -hmm. There you go. And Ev, Ev, what would you say to someone then in a trigger moment um, when they are wanting to run to their old food comforts? So we've got to sit with those emotions, brothers mm -hmm. and sisters. We've got to learn to sit with the emotions. You've got to tame the beast, tame the body. The body is driving your mind. Strong mind, strong body. So we have to flip the script. At the moment, many people's bodies is controlling the game. You ever wondered why? I've got plenty of clients that drive past Maccas, uh, Hungry Jacks, whatever the other fast food joints are. They say, I don't know if I just drove in. It was just, I just felt like my body took over. Yes, it did. Mm -hmm. Your body has created cells within the body that now send signals to your brain to fulfill the chemical fix of that food. This is how deep this gets, my brothers and sisters. So we need to tame that body, start to sit with some of these emotions, identify where, like our, our beautiful sister mentioned, where they've actually come from, from a rooted version, and then start to go in with mindfulness practices, meditation. And, you know, if you have to see someone, uh, you know, for therapy in some way, then you may have to go to that level. Yeah. You know, one of the things that you, we can do when we're, when we're triggered, triggered or activated is to uh, stay with it, feel the feelings, have the feelings come up, but then ask yourself in that moment, what is the behavior that I'm used to doing or perpetrating mm -hmm. when I get in this stressful place? Do I get up in that moment wanting to divert it, thus you're suppressing and repressing it, and run to the kitchen? Run, open up the refrigerator, look inside. Do I get in my car, run to a fast food place? What is the behavior that I use to divert myself from what is being triggered inside of me? Mm -hmm. there you go. Beautiful. And it, it's like, uh, as you know, Ev's car analogy, I mean, 
like it's almost like the drive to work, right? You don't have to think about the drive to work. You've done it so many times. Well, have you ever had that moment where you're driving near your work and you're not thinking and you automatically drive to work instead of <laughs> going to wherever you're you're trying to go because it's so close by that your body just took over and autopiloted? That's the way these patterns are in our lives. Yep. And if we're not caught, if we're not conscious, then we'll just fall into we'll just drive to work. We've, we, we will just fall into these old ruts. So it takes a little bit of um, awareness and consciousness and mindfulness like Ev was talking and Jeff is saying, and then we can sit with those triggers um, consciously and start to change the behavior. Mm -hmm. and, and just to oh. reiterate, the way we change the behavior is, is by practicing, learning how to connect with mm -hmm. the younger part of ourself that's still alive, that's still within us, that is accustomed to showing up the way he or she has always shown up. Mm. And so it, it, it does take practice. It takes commitment. And then it will take consistency because you're eating one, two, or three meals a day. So it, 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 it is changing your relationship with food based on parenting that, that younger part of yourself that has been controlling your experience and your relationship with food all of these years as the adult. And I'm speaking, that was, that was how I showed up. And I had to be willing to change my relationship with food and stop seeing it as a means of comfort and util utilizing it as a means of health and wellness. Mm -hmm. And there's many strategies. You know, I, I was once legally obese and, and my intention wasn't, wasn't really about um, dropping weight. My intention to change my relationship with food was to reverse diseases. Like you have, you mentioned about your mom, I was type two diabetic and I, I reversed that, that one pretty quick. I had to change my relationship with sugar. Now I love sweets. I still love sweets, except um, my yep. partner sweet bakes with healthy um, sugar replacements like monk fruit and date sugar or coconut sugar things of that, things of that nature. And therefore I can still, I can still um, honor my sweet tooth, but um, I'm not gonna mess up my, my numbers and slip back into type two. So it, it works. You just have to make healthier conscious choices and decisions. Mm. Even when we go out to eat now, you know, we're very, I'm very still very conscious of my selections and choices. And so that, that's how it's worked for me. Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, so here's my next question, because really this topic tonight is really about as we all uh, enter into the holiday season and many of us are going home or going to have a dinner with relatives and friends to celebrate the holiday season. And of course, you know, celebration usually includes food. So how do we show up? How can we show up differently this year for our holiday celebration? a holiday dinner to connect or lunch and, and not fall into the, the patterns that we've been living in all these years that have not served our, our health and wellness. Mm. Yeah. It's, it, 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 it's another big one. What are you going to say, Jay Rudy? I was just going to say, that was a big question. <laughs> How do we not <laughs> no. fall back into old patterns <laughs> with family? <laughs> yeah. We can spend a whole hour on that. Well, let's go there. We could take a shortcut. Let's go there. What does that look like? But, but if you've already formed an addiction with food when you're turning up to this mm -hmm. Christmas celebration, it hasn't just happened when you're turning up for one day. Exactly. Let's, let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. Okay? Yeah, definitely. So we've got to start firstly being honest with ourselves. Really? If yeah. you do have an addiction with food and you are finding food and using it for comfort, then really start to outline what are some of the foods and the environment you're going to be in that may trigger some of this addiction within your life. Now, I always say five Ps on this one, you know, when I uh, go to these gatherings, let's just say all year round. And that first one is to have a plan. You got to have a plan before you go in for battle. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've got this comfort with eating and these addictions, have a plan before you turn up. Know what you're going to be getting yourself into. That way, number two for me, you can start preparing your own. Mm. Now, 
you know, my family knows the way that I eat. So I prepare my own food, but it actually looks good as well because I'm actually providing. Okay. So that's my third P. I provide the food that I want to eat that everyone can share. And this even allows other people to come out of their comfort zone to try some of the foods that I eat. So when you've been able to plan, you've been able to really uh, provide some of those things for yourself and prepare yourself. Now I'm going to ask you, what are you going to produce? Is it fresh produce? Is it crappy produce? What, what are you going to produce when you turn up to the gathering? So it, it's some of these things that we can start thinking about. And then that fifth and final P for me is really your own protection. So that protection means boundaries. Mm. If you're strong with your boundaries, you'll know when you turn up to these gatherings, family, friends, or uh, job acquaintances, whatever it may be, that you have strong boundaries and that they should not be crossed no matter where you're at, particularly with food. Food should not be looked at as a weapon, brothers and sisters. Mm. It should mm. be simply there for your energy, for your sustenance, for your light. It's the relationship with this food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that, Ev. We went to a, a corporate event, a, a holiday party uh, last weekend. So knowing that the likelihood that there's going to be food there that's going to um, align with our lifestyle. What, what we offered was we reached out to, um, to the party planner and asked if they were open to us bringing some uh, organic, clean, gluten-free desserts. And mm. ironically, the, the husband, this is a thumbs up, he's gluten-free. And so uh, Mary prepared, I think, three, three different desserts. They were all clean, wow. delicious. And boy, did they get eaten quickly. <laughs> Most of the people that ate them probably had no idea that it was actually clean desserts with no white sugar. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it was amazing. So, you know, it's possible we can change our relationship with food. But I, I love what you said. It's like when you go into the when you go into the holiday party, go in with a plan. Like that's one of the P's. Have a plan. And yeah. and, and understand that it's that it's up to you to decide how much you eat and how much and what choices you make when you're there. And, you know, it's, it's very rare that I would indulge and not regret it. When I would indulge and I would cross over, right. I would always end up typically beating myself up after. I'd feel lousy. I'd feel bloated. And then I would, you know, go to self-sabotaging thoughts around why was I so weak, mm -hmm. you know? And so when we, we change our relationship with food, by changing how we show up, more of that conscious observer of self, conscious observer of the of our own uh, younger inner child, and also understanding what we're walking into, knowing you know if we know that what type of food can be prepared, so maybe you eat before, you eat at home, and you still show up, but you eat less, or you or you uh, you know you just have a little bit of food and you move it around on your plate, and call it a day. That works too, right? Mm -hmm. It totally does. And that's not just holiday. Um, you know, I've, I've worked in entertainment for 20 years and they notoriously, uh, well, we get, <laughs> fed, we, we, get <laughs> we get fed breakfast and lunch, uh, which is usually, you know, uh, um, a buffet style. So we usually get to pick, but that Tam craft service table, Jeff, I mean, it is loaded with sugar. It's the, it's the most <laughs> craft service when you do whatever it is, television shows, photo shoots, movies, craft services. It is, is the most oh. unhealthy food. That you, it's the cheapest food, too. You know, you just think about it. You're working on a high-budget photo shoot or whatever it is, and then you get craft services like, what? You know? <laughs> Bag, uh, bags of chips, M&Ms. <laughs> I mean, like, I gained 30 pounds when I got in the industry because I'd grab a handful of M&Ms every time I passed that table. Exactly. Pass it 
five, six times a day. And I did that for, you know, several months. And all of a sudden I'm 30 pounds heavier. And so, so I mean, Ev and Jay, I love what you're talking about with the plan because that's huge. And that's what I do now as I'm a conscious eater and I like to choose and make healthy decisions. A, I know where the craft service table is. And if there's a way to walk that's not near it, I take that instead. I remove any temptation. And then I bring my own food. Or what I, I've started doing is instead of eating out of the omelet bar in the morning where there's tons of you know ba bacon and all the other tempting things that taste amazing, um, I make a shake at the, at the house before I leave. And it's filled with you know uh, veggies and fruits and all that. And then I'm full. So when I do yeah. pass the table and I do pass the omelet bar, I'm not hungry. And so I don't fall into the pattern of just that ease. I think it's like, you know, it's making it easier for us to avoid these temptations. If willpower is a problem to you, like it is for me with sugar, you know, it's removing the opportunities to be weak <laughs> and say, yeah. and, and just fall in. Mary says, to your point, people don't plan to fail. They fail to plan. We've all heard that, that statement before. Hey, you know what I do? What do you, you know, do? And I went to a holiday party <laughs> last week, and I just look at the food and I go, why would I put that in my body? Mm. So that's mm -hmm. you showing up more as a conscious observer then. I mean, I looked at, I mean, it, there was a lot of food at this party, and I walked around and looked and looked and looked, and I went, I know what a bag of hockey pucks feels like in my stomach. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I just looked around and I just go, I, I don't, I wouldn't put that in my body. And that's, that's how I look at it. But then again, you know, I come from a place where I don't have that problem with food. Um, it's just, that's where I'm at. Uh, other people just, that's, that is, a source go. or their problem. I just don't have that and I just won't eat it because I just, oh man. Yeah. But, well, Jeff. But, but then again, if Jeff, a, you should. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jeff. Oh, no, no. Finish your thought. I'm going to, I'm going to bounce to something else. Well, well, one of the things as we're, as we're talking here, I'm thinking, okay, what is another comfort food for me? It's Italian bread. <laughs> Italian mm. bread right out of the oven. That to me, is major major comfort comfort food and every time i do go to new york i make sure that i'm getting my eggplant parmesan hero and the way they make the way they make it with that italian bread and they and they put it in the oven and they and they toast the bread just a little bit i can smell <laughs> it <laughs> it's amazing but i give that to myself uh, once a year twice a year maybe and i right. do only do it when i go to new york yeah, but, but it's something and I was just thinking about that, but I, I digress. It's when I go like when I went to that big holiday party last week, I just walked around and go, no, I just can't can't put that stuff in my body. Mm. I want to switch gears here real quick. Uh, and I know we I know where you're heading, Josh. We'll, we'll give you a minute to get back there in a moment here. But I want to switch gears here and move us along to how many of us are eating to protect our ourselves. How many of us are, are eating to, we put on the weight, um, men and women, if, if we've got, you, do you understand that question, Ev, what I'm asking? Mm -hmm. what it, yeah. So what's, what's your answer to that? Are you look, eating to protect yourself? Yeah, look, and it can become a, a defense mechanism, you know, for mm -hmm. someone that may have been through uh, trauma, abuse, you know, they, they eat a lot of that food for comfort, but they eat a lot of that food to basically form the armor. There you go. So no one looks at them. They don't actually feel worthy of being loved. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they protect themselves. Mm -hmm. And um, unfortunately, um, that, for, that food eventually will eat, uh, form into that addiction. And so that protection actually really becomes, you know, a, another form of destruction over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Type 2 diabetes forms, other chronic diseases, heart health goes down the barrel high cholesterol all the above so the protection may be a short-term solution but it's causing a long-term problem right and and what and what we're protecting 
is just the wounds of that child. Mm. We, oh, we're, mm-hmm. I, I said it earlier. Yeah. We, we're, seek, we're triggered. We're activated. Something comes up. We're seeking comfort. The wounded child is seeking mom and dad to comfort them. We, we've never received that. We've never gotten that from mom and dad. I, I mean, I'm speaking for myself. Um, and we formed habits and behaviors to comfort that child and food for many is one of them. There's other ways of doing that. So what we're really doing, we're, we're seeking that comfort, but we're also in tune, uh, trying to protect that wounded child from whatever that trauma that was inflicted on that wounded child. So by us forming these behaviors or these addictions, whether it's the food or alcohol or anything else, we think we're protecting that wounded child by giving ourselves the comfort of these addictions, but we're really not doing that. Mm -hmm. Josh, you were going to ask, you're going to bring something uh, to Jeff. Uh, Go ahead. Um. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, Jeff, you shared with us in the production meeting that doing, I mean, you've had a massive growth year. We've been witnessing these huge, momentous moves in your life and on your healing journey and through your process. And you shared with us that you lost 15 pounds and didn't change your diet. It was strictly the healing work. The emotional work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, That's I changed, huge. I changed, I just decreased my sugar intake and decreased some carbohydrates intake, but m- my diet remained the same. I just cut out a coconut water and stuff like that and re- re- reduced as, I mean, I'm a vegetarian, so vegetables have a ton, a lot of carbohydrates, but um, I reduced that. But really, uh, ever since the middle of September and the work and that I've been doing, as I've moved through releasing um, the wounding and moving into it, I released the protection. My weight that I had around me was my protection that I don't need to do anymore. I don't need to protect myself anymore. And then I got on the scale one day at, at the gym and looked and I went, oh, wow, I just lost 15 pounds and I didn't even, you know, realize it. And it was really an energetic release of protection. Yeah, there you go. I want to switch gears here one more time and ask this question. Are we at peace with our self body image? And if Mm. we're not, how do we, how do we heal that wound? What do we Mm. do? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's another part of it, a really important part of it, and particularly in the uh, age we're growing up at the moment, brothers and sisters, you got to understand that there's a lot of programs out there running. One of those is wrapped around body image, you know, full acceptance. I'm all for it of no matter how you look. But if you're overweight, with all respect, brothers and sisters, you have a look, good look at yourself in the mirror and you feel, you feel like that is not your right weight, then you may have to change certain aspects within your lifestyle to start accommodating this way that you look at yourself in the mirror. Body, image, the I'm age, this is what we're in. We're living at this time where for you to paint that picture of that positive self, body, I'm age, and you're going to have to look after yourself, food, self-care techniques, daily routine, lifestyle, everything we always talk about. So again, it's going back to this emotional intelligence that you've been able to invest within your life. What Jeff's saying there, he's released 15 uh, pounds, was it, Jeff? Mm-hmm. Through emotions, Emotions, brothers and sisters, that energy in motion. So if we overload with this particular shame about our body, judgment about our body, 
obviously it's going to put the weight on through an emotional level. And that's why I'm saying it had to get deeper as opposed to just food on the surface as a physical thing, but diving into those emotions again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I yeah. also want to, uh, coming back to the, the holiday season that we are all stepping into another, another tool to embrace is before you show up, spend an hour, spend two hours and some level of self care. Now I'm not talking about getting a, getting a massage or getting a manicure or pedicure or getting your hair done. I'm talking about self-care <laughs> at a deeper level. Go for a walk. If you live close to a park, a lake, a trail, a hiking trail, the ocean, get in the car or ride your bike. Just get out and move and center yourself. Connect with yourself so that you don't show up empty to this dinner that may feel like an obligation. And so we, if we don't do that, then we're going in already deprived. We're already going in um, not having done any self-care that, that day really sets us up for more choices that we may not be happy with on the back end. So that's, that's a tool that I use no matter what. I show up for myself first and I make sure that I'm in balance before I show up, no matter where I'm going. It could just be 10 minutes with music, turning on the music that touches me at my soul. Whatever it takes, connect with yourself before you show up in a social environment where you're gonna, you know, some of us show up and we're not comfortable. I, I admitted to my partner before we went to that, that, that big party that was like almost 100 people. And I acknowledge that I was like, I'm not comfortable in big social events like that. Mm. But I was able to work mm. through it because I realized that the part of me that's, has, has those, that discomfort is my younger self. So I, I decided to not let him make that decision for me. And I made the decision as my higher self, as my adult self. Not my egoic self, but my adult self. And I held his hand and I went in there. I set the intention with that little boy within. And I let him know that at any time, the party was from six to nine. I said, at any time, if you're uncomfortable and you want to leave, we can leave early. We don't have to stay the whole time. What time do you guys think I left the party that night? Take a guess. 7.30. He got there at 7. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, 10, 10 what time do you think we exited out? I think you surprised yourself. That's my, that's my vote. Okay. 2 a.m.? No. <laughs> oh, that, would have, that would have been rude. But yeah, you know, I, I showed up I showed up on time. And when we left, it was just after 10. Now, nice. it doesn't mean that I didn't have moments of discomfort. And what was really interesting is I met a few other people there and a few people that didn't go that acknowledged to me that they, they're uncomfortable in big social events. You know, sometimes we think we're the only ones that are having this experience in life. And it's not. That's not true. It's just that people don't share it or disclose it. And so it, it is part of the human experience. And then we just get to decide, is it good for us? And either show up differently or, or choose to say, no, thank you. I'm going to pass. That's us learning how to set a loving, healthy boundary for ourselves as well. Uh -huh. Now, if you're going to walk into a toxic environment, that's a, and it's not going to serve you. You're not, we're not going to go there tonight because next week, gentlemen, next Thursday night, we have a special guest joining us for a holiday edition of Real Men Real Talk Live. Rachel Friari is coming back in to Real Men Real Talk Live. And next week's topic is all going to be about um, are we obligated to show up? And if we do, are we empowering ourselves or are we disempowering ourselves? So what I described in, in my uh, party last weekend, 
I empowered myself to show up mm-hmm. because I went in as a conscious observer of self and I made sure that that little boy within was okay. And I, and I, and I asked him throughout the evening, are you okay? Are we good? And I kept getting a thumbs up. So I stayed. That's how, that's how, this is how it works today. It's simple, not easy. Right. Mm-hmm. So as we uh, approach mm-hmm. the hour, gentlemen, did we miss anything as a, as it relates to, uh, our relationship with the holidays and how we use food to the uh, use food to comfort us through this this moments of discomfort. You know, we we bring it up every week, and um, self love makes these choices a lot easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I struggled for many years to work out and eat healthy, and it was a struggle for many years because I didn't have that foundation of self-love. I was just trying to will myself to make better choices when still coming from a wounded place. And so, yeah, self-love is at the core. And if you can wrap some beautiful awareness around that and some attention around it and really dive into self-love, it makes all of these choices easier. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes simple to like Jeff said, look at that table and say, there's nothing here for me. So we say it every week. Beautiful. I'll say it again. How about, how about you, Jeff? Closing thoughts? Uh, you know what? What's been on my mind the entire show too is self-love. So exactly what Josh just said. It really mm-hmm. comes down to that. And once again, um, over 130 shows, the show is all about self-love. All the twists and turns, everything that we talk about on this show, it always leads back to asking yourself, how much do I love myself? How much do I honor, honor myself? How much do I value myself? And if I'm thinking in those terms and actually embodying that, then I'm going to ask myself the question, what am I putting in my body that doesn't support how much I love myself, honor myself, and value myself? Beautiful. Love that. Ev, what do you got? Yeah. Brothers bringing it home. Oh, I was actually going to drop in and talk all about that too, my brothers. So you, you yeah. just uh, started mixing that ingredients <laughs> pick, perfectly. Pick it up. Your vibe. <laughs> love it, man. Love it. That's, a, yeah. that's, the, that's the gist of this show. That's man. it. We put it up in the ether, man. We're really? all on the same vibration. But yeah, no, look. I'll just finish up and say for all the brothers and sisters that I've helped on this uh, part of their journey, I've seen it all. I really have been fortunate enough to, to you know, see all the angles about why we may have this discomfort and this uh, particular relationship with food that may not serve us on our high values, on our highest needs or desires, goals and dreams that for, for whatever. You know, I had a really personal relationship obviously that I talked a little bit about tonight that I saw my mum what she had to go through which was a a big big thing wrapped around food over decades within her life you know food for me brothers and sisters like I mentioned I've never had the relationship that didn't serve me now I'm not saying I'm a hero I'm not coming from an egoic place I was just always on a path that food for me was really a a source of fuel. Mm -hmm. I want you to just sit and ask yourself these three questions tonight. Is food for you to heal? Is food for fuel? Or is food for you to feel? You know, Mm. we've talked about it all night. And from this emotional standpoint, my brothers and sisters, Like the brothers have just mentioned, if you don't have that self-care, that self-love, that self-compassion, then these foods can certainly and really will take over with your life. But simple questions also to ask yourself before you even go putting anything within your mouth. Your body is going through one of the most beautiful, biggest changes on this planet has ever existed. 
And as we dip and go higher into these particular higher frequencies and vibrations into this light body, we've got to ask ourselves, my brothers and sisters, when you have food, does it make you feel confident? Mm. Does it make you feel alive? Does it make you feel nourished? Does it make you feel cared? Does it make you feel loved? And does it make you feel light? So for me, when I ask those questions, not only on my own path, but for my clients that I help on their journey, it actually starts making you more conscious of what you eat. So we start actually become more intuitive without eating, more mindful. We actually start forming a much more intimate connection with food. You know, food has been used as a weapon, brothers and sisters, and we don't have to look too very far. You can just go for a drive down the road right now. But when you take back your personal power and that you start putting in these high vibratory foods, brothers and sisters, you live out whatever life you want to live. And on that note, Merry Christmas. Eat good foods. <laughs> Eat good foods. Well, I know you three just talked truth Beautiful because I got the chills. So uh, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. I'm going to close uh, my thoughts out by sharing that our relationship with food is just a symptom. It's, it's we, we treat food as though it is the, the problem of the challenge. And so it's a multi-billion dollar industry for companies to, to support, you know, the weight loss program. And how many people today uh, refer to themselves as health coaches or nutritional coaches because all they are is they're, they're selling a program to you to lose weight. Now, here's, here's how I see that. This is not a judgment statement. This is an observation coming from where I came from. I lost 40 pounds after I had a heart attack when I was 48. I did exactly what my cardiologist suggested I did. I quit smoking, I joined a gym, and I went on a Mediterranean diet. That's all I did. And guess what happened? Two years later, life got really complicated at home, even more so complicated at the office. I threw away all my emotional sobriety in my relationship with self. I bought a pack of smokes, I quit the gym, I stopped eating Mediterranean food, and I went back to my old habits. I put the 40 back on, I added 20 more for, for good luck, I guess, and I got sicker. So our relationship with food isn't really, we don't go deep enough just because we drop the weight or we lose the weight, as they say. It doesn't work long term. It's not sustainable for most of us at least for this man, it wasn't. It wasn't until I was truly willing and ready to have the courage to surrender and step into the healing journey to heal mind, body, and soul of this man that my relationship with food changed overnight. Jeff, just like you released 15 pounds in the last couple of months, I released 60. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't in it to lose or release weight. I was in it to come home, to come home, to love myself. And through that process, the weight just started to drop. And it's been almost seven years now, and I have not put it back on. I have no intention of putting it back on in this lifetime, in this body, because I love myself enough today to know that's not good for me. And that food for me was just used as a weapon and who was it killing? It was killing me. Mm -hmm. So I echo everything that Josh, Jeff, and Ev just shared in their closing thoughts. Don't make it about the food. Go deeper. Look at your relationship with food and then ask the question, why? Mm -hmm. And understand what is your attachment mm -hmm. to it. Look at that as your, your gateway to coming home. To loving yourself. Yes, thank you. Welcome home, Jay. Welcome home, Shannon Thompson. On that note, I want to thank all of our, our viewers and listeners for joining us this night. 
for another topic, 131 on Real Men Real Talk Live. Next week, we will have Rachel Fiore. She's been with us, I think. Did I miss it? Is it three times, gentlemen? Three times, I think, now, brothers. And we've been on her podcast once, but she's a powerhouse. She's, she's, quite, <laughs> she's quite a pistol. And uh, we're excited to have her join us next week as we are diving deeper into our relationship with the holiday season and our obligations. Do we show up? Are we empowering? Or are we disempowering ourselves when we show up to, uh, to a, a party or to a celebration that in the past has brought us some discomfort and pain? And so with that, I want to invite all of our viewers to take some time this weekend coming up, do some self-care, tap into the part of yourself that maybe you've been avoiding, have the courage to step in so you can step out and experience inner freedom that will lead to inner peace and self-love. And with that, I love you guys. We'll catch you next week on Real Men, Real Talk Live.